Good morning, Summit Church. Thank you so much for being here this morning to worship God, to hang out with one another. Uh, if you're watching this video, I am currently driving home from the mountains of Colorado. Uh, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, tried to do 13 hours in one day with a one-year-old, and that didn't work. So I am somewhere between the mountains and Oklahoma City, probably somewhere around Amarillo in the morning. Um, I'm going to ask for your grace. I'm going to ask that you as a parent understand that we didn't make it. We kind of thought we may not be able to make it in one day, so went ahead and recorded this message before I left in hopes that I wouldn't have to use it, but apparently we did. So, Grace here, I'll be back next week live to continue through the Gospel of John, but I did want to finish week three of our Bombshell series. We've had an amazing journey through the first 14 verses of John chapter 14. In there we saw three bombshell statements from Jesus, statements that make us think, make us wonder. The first one in week one was that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a huge statement. The second one last week, Nathan unpacked for us. It says that if we believe in Jesus, that we will do even greater things than he has been doing while here on this earth. Huge statement. What does that mean? We unpacked that last week. And then today we come to the last two verses, John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, and we find our third and final bombshell statement. It says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, 25 years ago was probably the first time I read this passage of Scripture. And every time I come across it, it seems too good to be true. It seems like Jesus is offering us a limitless credit card to make any withdrawal from heaven that we want. Just ask it, and it'll be yours. Name it and claim it. And there's some of you sitting here going, yeah, that's a bombshell statement. That's huge. If that's true, that changes the game. But then there's others of you who are going, it's not true. That's not true at all. I, I've actually seen this not work. I've asked Jesus for many things in his name, and the answer came back, no. And not to become too heavy, but the greatest example of this in my own life was the night my mom passed away. In Mercy Hospital, we were told she had a massive brain bleed. The, the prognosis was grim, and I remember walking into the hospital room, and there she is on a ventilator, and I'm going to put my hands on her, and I began to pray in the name of Jesus that she'd be healed. Jesus, heal her. Just bring her back. Jesus, protect. I, I was praying this prayer, and in the middle of the prayer, I felt as clear as I've ever felt God say, no. No. And she passed away. Now, I had seen God heal. Just a few months before my mom passed away, Bryce, our oldest son, is still in his mama's belly, and we had been told there's amniotic bands that could be wrapped around him, and Paige and I hit the floor that day, and we prayed, and we begged God to protect our child, to, to heal him, to let him come into this world whole and perfect and good, and we went back to a follow-up appointment just a week or so later, and they said, they're, they're gone. The bands are gone. So I'd seen God heal, and, and I couldn't believe that night in the hospital room and at Mercy that, that God said No. But you said, ask me whatever and I'll do it. So what gives? What gives? I, I know for many of us, we're sitting here saying, yeah, I, I want to know what, what is the difference? What is the plan? What is the prescription? How, how do we unlock this power? Because this is a bombshell statement. Ask anything in my name and it will be yours. I'll, I'll do it for you. How do we reconcile the apparent discrepancy here. Well, I think it's 
like with any passage of Scripture. We have to look at it in its context, and then we also need to allow Scripture to be commentary on Scripture. So first, let's look at the context. Who is Jesus speaking to when he makes this bombshell statement? He's speaking to his 12 disciples. There's probably a few more people in the upper room, but he's giving them their final marching orders. The last night he'll be here on this earth. He is excited to encourage them. He's trying to ease their troubled hearts. He's done so with several statements already. He started off by telling them, hey, don't be troubled, because when I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go make a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you so that you can be with me forever. He then makes that huge statement of, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because the disciples say, hey, we don't know where you're going. How will we know? You know where I'm going. You know how to get there because I am the way. Then one of the disciples stands up and says, hey, just let us see God. If we could just see God, our, our hearts would be at ease. And Jesus says, you don't need to see God because you've seen me. And if you've seen me, you've seen God because the Father and I are one. And then last week, we have the amazing statement of, and it's good for me to go because when I go, you're going to do greater things than I've ever done to complete my mission. And then we come to our passage today. We come to our passage today where Jesus says, and here's the greatest thing that should ease your hearts. When I'm gone, I'm going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. When you're out trying to complete the mission that I have entrusted you with, anytime you ask me for something to complete the mission, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tap the big guy on his shoulder. I'm going to say, we should listen to him and we should do that. You should be encouraged because I'm gone, but if I'm gone, ask me whatever in my name and I'll do it. Now, a lot of us, we go, well, then, then that's the problem. This bombshell statement, this promise is for 12 disciples. I'm not one of them. Th this promise is not for me. So the context shows why this doesn't work in my life. But let's remember verse 12 from last week. John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Whoever believes in me, this promise isn't just for the disciples. It's for anyone who believes in Jesus. So if that's you this morning, if you're sitting in this room today as a follower of Jesus Christ, then this statement applies to you. So the context is for anyone who believes then, so you ask, well, what is the problem then? Well, the problem is the one condition in verse 13 and 14. You must ask in my name. And I'll be very honest with you, church, it's hard to unpack that statement. It's hard to unpack that phrase. It's hard to translate that phrase. What does it mean if you pray in my name? I literally pray every prayer I pray in the name of Jesus. So if that's all it takes, then, then I don't know what the problem is. But it's beautiful because since the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible, there's four other passages of Scripture in the New Testament that say exactly this same thing. Ask whatever you want in my name and I'll do it. But each of those four passages have different conditions tied to them. So I think with the rest of our time this morning, if we unpack those four verses and see those conditions that allow God to do whatever we ask, I think we'll understand what Jesus is saying when he says, pray in my name and it will be yours. I will do it for you. And I think we can then begin to pray bigger and better prayers in the confidence that Jesus says he'll do whatever we ask in his name and that he will. It's a bombshell statement. It's big. 
But the first of the next four passages of Scripture that I want to look at come just a few minutes later. As Jesus is still speaking to his disciples in the upper room on the last night, John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus handpicked his disciples. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. I chose you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. So as as we unpack this, there's already another condition. You have to think the disciples are hearing this again just a few minutes later going, okay, well you said I ask anything in your name, you'll give it. But now, if I ask anything in your name that will bear fruit, that will bear eternal fruit. So what does that mean? Our prayers only work if we're praying for someone's salvation. Our prayers only work if we're praying for some kind of life transformation. Our prayers only work if, if it glorifies God. The simple answer is, that's part of it. That is absolutely part of it. The promise for God to do whatever we ask in his name is conditional upon our requests bearing fruit. And not just bearing fruit. Bearing fruit that will glorify God. Look at the next passage in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. So it's actually just before the verse we just read, but it helps us understand it. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, some of your versions say abide. If you stick to, to me, if you stick with me, if you abide in me and in my word, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. If you remain or abide in me, then whatever you ask will be done. Stay strong, stay close. Stay on mission, lean into me, and as you're doing these things, then whatever you ask will be done. But it must be asked in a way that the response will glorify the Father. As a church, we have a very simple mission statement. We want to make disciples for the glory of God. I think within these first two qualifying verses, we see that if we pray in a way as to ask God to help us fulfill that mission... Ask whatever you want, and it'll be yours. God, will this allow us to accomplish your mission? God, we're seeking to accomplish your mission. God, help us do this so we can accomplish your mission. And most importantly, God, glorify yourself. God hears that prayer, and he goes, yes. Yes. I'm in. I'm for this. Prayers that bear fruit, eternal fruit, big fruit. Prayers that are for the mission and that will allow God to glorify himself. Those are two conditions. There's two more. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. You want to know what makes you a confident prayer? Here's what it is, that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Now that's a big condition. And, and I'll be honest, this is the one that kind of sits poorly with me, just because I'm not God. What I read this passage to say is that if we pray God's will, he'll do it. If our prayers are contrary to God's will, 
then there's no guarantee. And that's kind of a caveat statement then, right? I mean, well, why do I even pray? If God's going to see his will through, if God's going to move and do as he sees fit according to his will, then why do I need to pray? And if he's only going to say yes to prayers that I pray that fall under his will, then what is the purpose of prayer? Well, we see in Exodus that Moses moved the heart of God. That Moses, through petitioning God, chose or or caused him to remove his hand of wrath from his people, at least temporarily. So are you saying we can change the will of God? Are you saying we can change God's heart? Are you saying Moses did? Now, does that make Moses stronger? No, it means that prayer is important. And that our communion with the Father, he hears our fervent petitions and our fervent prayers, and he moves, yes, according to his will. But he also moves in accordance to the love that he has for his children. So it's tough to hear, okay, if I have to pray God's will for him to say yes. But look at it from the positive side. If what you're praying is God's will, if what you're praying, praying will bear fruit, if what you're praying will glorify God, that is probably his will. And you will start to see the power of God unlocked in your life through prayer. These are big thoughts. These are big statements, but it's true. There's one thing I want to add to this. The idea that we need to pray the will of God means when we pray, one of the first things we need to do is listen. We need to listen to the voice of God. We need to understand the heart of God. We need to seek the will of God before we begin to pray. We need to be listeners. And you're like, well, I listen to God, but he doesn't speak then listen to God's greatest mouthpiece, and that is his word. When you pray scripture, you're guaranteed a yes because you're praying the very will and the very word of God. I think a lot of us, we just throw up these Hail Mary prayers. We're like, I don't even know if it's going to work. Not sure if he's listening. I don't don't know. But we just just pray these big thoughts, and we kind of just lob them up there and see what happens. This week in your life, try praying scripture over your children over your direction, over your life, over your finances, over your marriage. Try praying scripture and see how God moves and responds in that. The final conditional passage is in Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, there's this beautiful statement. It says, therefore, verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, in Mark chapter 11, here's what's happening. Jesus has entered Jerusalem, and on the way in, he curses a fig tree for not bearing fruit. The disciples walk back by two days later, and Peter goes, that tree's dead. It was alive just a minute ago, but you said something to it. I remember, Jesus, you said something to it a a few days ago. Now it's dead. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says this. If you looked at a mountain and said, go jump in the lake, you have the ability to make that happen. If you believe, not in yourself, not in your words, if you believe in God's ability to do so. Now, is Jesus speaking literally? No. He's giving an illustration about the power of faith, the power of belief in our prayer. Now, we must believe then when we pray. Do you know what turns our words to the ceiling into prayers to God? Belief that those words have power to actually affect and move in the situation or the person's life that we're praying for. 
How often, church, are your prayers just words because they're not tied to belief that your words will evoke action? I, I think I'm guilty of that a lot. We, we pray because we pray because we pray. It's, it's not tied to this heartfelt conviction and belief that when we pray, God hears and he moves. We must believe. In order for Jesus' bombshell statement to come true, we must believe. All four of these conditions, I think, are wrapped up in our understanding of what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And in doing so, we can expect to receive whatever we ask. All four conditions, I think, are relevant here. So whatever you ask for will be granted if what you ask for will bear eternal fruit. Whatever you ask for, if it will bear eternal fruit, I think God will say yes. Whatever you ask for will be granted if you remain faithful to the mission and your request will ultimately glorify God. I I think that's a qualifying statement. Whatever you ask for will be granted if you ask for something that is God's will. It's a done deal. If you're asking God's will, if you're praying God's will, and whatever you ask for will be granted if you believe. Do those four conditional statements summarize you as a prayer? Do they summarize your prayer life? That you're constantly praying eternal prayers, wanting to bear great fruit, that you're constantly praying missional prayers that are the will of God, that you're constantly asking something that is the will of God because you're listening and you're praying scripture. Are you believing that your prayers have power? If so, then Jesus' statement that you can ask whatever you want in my name and you will be granted it, it is true. It's a true statement. I want to close today just with an example. An example of this kind of prayer that, for the church. It was two and a half years ago that I sat in a room in Newcastle with the men who were training to become the elders of our church. And in talking through a ton of material about what it means to serve and what it means to lead and what it means to obey. And as we were talking through that, one of the questions came up, Todd, just, you know, where do we see the church going? Where do you see the church in, in two years? And, and I remember this, clear as today. I stepped up to a whiteboard because I live on a whiteboard and I drew a triangle. And in that triangle, I drew it in red marker. I put an X where we were in Newcastle, in the auditorium there. And I said, men, here's what I'm praying. And I, I would ask you to begin to pray this with me. We know we can't live in this auditorium forever, so what I want you to begin to pray is that the Lord will show us where to put down roots here in Newcastle. And I said, now here, here's the crazy deal. I, I want to pray specifically for five or ten acres of land, and I want to pray that it would be three to four miles north of where we currently are. And I, and I put an X there at the top of the triangle. And I said, but guys, this is not going to do it. This is going to allow us to reach Southwest Oklahoma City and Newcastle. So I said, what I also am praying for is that God will open a door for us to start a campus in Norman. So I put an X over by Norman. And I said, but I don't want to forget our people in Blanchard. I said, so here's what I'm praying right now. 
I'm praying that we as a church will fulfill our mission to make disciples for the glory of God in the greater southwest metropolitan area. That's the same mission we started with seven years ago as a church. I said there's going to need to be a third one at some point, somewhere down here around Blanchard. Now you Blanchard people are getting excited, but just hold on. I saw a vision of what I thought God wanted to do to glorify himself. I saw a vision that would allow a church to make eternal differences and bear great fruit. I believed that God would do it, but I had no idea just how miraculously he would respond to the prayers of myself and our elders. It was a year and a half later that I sat down with Nathan at lunch, and we started to talk about two churches becoming one. And God provided through a beautiful marriage of two churches 10 acres of land, a bigger building than we ever could have built. It's six miles north of the previous place, but it works. It's a place where we can reach Newcastle and southwest Oklahoma City. And today, church, I'm still waiting for God to open the door for us to be in Norman. And I'm thinking and praying through what it looks like to complete that triangle. Ask whatever you want in my name, and I'll do it. We specifically asked for land and a building, and we thought it would cost us $5 million. And God said, I'll show you just how great I am. What's going to happen in Norman? Not sure. But I believe that God will show us once again just how great he is. What's going to happen? Blanchard, out that direction. Don't know. But we're still praying that prayer. And I believe that we're praying in faith. I believe that we're praying the will of God. That's the reason he started this church. I, I believe that we're praying prayers that will glorify him and will produce much fruit. I believe that, so I know that the answer will be yes. And for now, we're just waiting to hear his voice. And so today, the band's going to be back up here. There's going to be people that want to pray with you, but I really just want to ask you a question regarding you and your prayer life. And I think you know what's coming. Today, what are you praying about in your life that is missional? Meaning, God's mission. To glorify himself. To bear fruit. Are you praying any kind of prayer like that? Or are your prayers quite simple and quite mundane or there no prayers being lifted up church i believe this with everything in me we say that prayer unlocks the power of god we will only be the church that god has called us to be if our people are praying and they're praying prayers about bearing fruit faithfully believing that god will do it so what are you praying are you praying for the souls of loved ones are you praying for the church are you praying for your life's missional trajectory? Where do you want me, God? How, how do you want me to live? Are you praying these prayers? Are you praying just crazy stuff? Like, God, three places to reach you and your people. Are those the kind of prayers that you're praying? And are you praying them remembering that if you're praying them in the name of Jesus, they will be yours? Are you praying with that kind of faith? that kind of faith that unlocks the power of God in your life. If it bears fruit, 
if it's on mission and glorifies God, if it's God's will and if you believe it, then he can do whatever it is that you're asking him to do. So today, church, as we respond, I want each and every one of you, whether you come forward to pray with one of our pastors or prayer team, whether you pray with someone else, whether you pray by yourself, I want each and every one of you to pray a big, God-sized, missional prayer. And I can't wait to see then what God does when we pray in his name and his answer is yes. Father, hear our prayers today. They are to you, they are for you and your glory. God, may you do mighty things in and through us as we respond to you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's pray as we respond to him.